You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back. Everybody, I want to welcome an important guest today. Her name is Exenia Muntan. And we were just talking about her name and I think I got it right. And I hope I did because Exenia is the founder of Planable, which is a content review and marketing collaboration platform used by over 5,000 teams, like you know, including brands like Jaguar, Land Rover, Viber, Siemens, United Nations, and the list goes on. For the past four years, she's worked with hundreds of marketing teams, helping them to collaborate efficiently from across the room or across the globe. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dennis, for having me here. Yeah, thank you. You are in Romania. Yes, Bucharest. So you're building, (laughs) you're the true marketer that's building your business remote because most of your clients are, you said, in the US or Canada and UK, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So you're used yeah. to building things remote. You're not usually out there shaking hands and pressing the flesh. You're probably doing a lot of Zoom calls and you're probably doing a lot of virtual. And that's probably the mainstay for you. So this whole thing, this pandemic thing, probably didn't change, <laughs> didn't change the, your anything. sales process a whole lot, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Though I've done, you know, uh, my fair uh, side of, you know, uh, shaking hands before in my own agency. Now I, uh, I'm doing the things, you know, a bit differently. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, just to tease everybody today, I'm really excited because we're going to talk about what I consider to be kind of like a hybrid and an important topic that you don't hear a whole lot about. You hear a lot about product-led growth and you hear a lot about content marketing, but today, Exenia is going to share with you how she used product-led content as the primary strategy that she has used to grow her business. And as you know, whenever you're dealing with product-led or content, a lot of that's inbound. So she's been able to build a very successful business with an inbound strategy. So she's going to help us unpack that today. But before we do that, before we do that, give us a, a, a little bit of insight into you know, how, you, how and why you started Planable, and then we'll pull it all apart. Yeah. As I, as I mentioned before, before Planable, I actually had a social media marketing agency. And uh, while running and developing and growing that social media agency, I, I bumped into some operational problems when I was working and planning content for social for uh, for clients. I really didn't enjoy working in spreadsheets and back and forth emails. And I was looking for a tool to just help me coordinate the social media output and present uh, the work uh, in a better way to my clients. And, you know, when I didn't find anything else as a true entrepreneur, I uh, started Planable to do just that, to help social media teams out there uh, work together better on social media content and have a better way of managing their workflow around content. So did you build 
the early version of Planable while you had your agency or was it after you left your agency or sold or whatever happened to that agency? Was it after the fact? There was a bit of an overlap. But when I, you know, when I realized that Planable was really taking off and together, you know, with my co-founders, we decided to just quit everything we were, you know, engaged in at at that point, I had to, you know, I closed my agency because I wanted to focus fully on what I was doing at Planable and my co-founders, one of them who was, you know, very young at that point in time, 19 years old, he dropped out of college. And my other co-founder, he, you know, quit uh, his job. And we actually, all of us have moved to a different country to just start Planable. So what year was that that you launched Planable? What you would consider to be the launch date? In 2016, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So since 2016, and since obviously going through this 2020, which was (laughs) difficult at best for many, many businesses, (laughs) can you give us a sense of scale in regards to the Mm -hmm. size of the business, whether that be some revenue range or growth percentage, something, give us something to go by so that people can understand where you are in your journey. Sure. Uh, So we have started Planable about five years ago. And in the first two years, we were deep into product development, customer development. So we only launched the product, I would say, in 2017, 2018. So in the past two, three years, since the product has been on the market and since we started monetizing it, we have grown from, you know, from zero, from beta testers uh, to almost uh, a thousand customers at the moment. And we have also gone through three fundraising processes, a very small angel investment that we, we got very early on, an accelerator, uh, Techstars in London, and then our seed round recently in uh, 2019. So it's a SaaS model. It's a SaaS product. It's purely a B2B SaaS product. Yes. Okay. And you said you have about a thousand customers. Can you give me a sense as to the range of what the subscriptions run? I'm sure there's enterprise and there's small users and the, there's probably a whole mix yes. of them, but. I mean, what does something like that look like to give us a, draw us a picture? So it's a, it, it goes from, you know, it starts uh, with $39 a month and that's probably, you know, a very small business, a very small team or a freelancer just that's just starting out and it has potentially, you know, just one client. And then uh, it can go, you know, as high as 50, 60, a hundred users and, you know, big enterprise contracts. So yeah, it, it ranges quite a lot, but I would say most of our customers are small businesses. Okay, great. And how much money have you raised to date? I mean, what sort of capital is you, you said there was three phases, a small angel round, and then all the way through to your most recent seed round. I would say just under 1 million in terms of, so we didn't raise that much. It was a small ticket angel investment, 20,000 in the beginning, and then the typical 120 from Techstars, and then the last seed round. Excellent. Great. Okay. So do you, I mean, the plan here is it to continue raising as a way to stimulate growth and momentum? I mean, is that a plan or is you are now that you guys are here is, are you planning on, you know, just running it off cash flow? I mean, what's the ultimate goal here? Yeah. So we, we're not necessarily in a position where we need to raise, having grown quite a lot since our last uh, fundraising round, we're almost break even, or if we want to be, we could be break even. So we're not necessarily in a position where we need that cash. But I think at some point we're gonna we're gonna go into fundraising again. We just need to find that inflection point where it makes sense for the business. How many team members do you have right now about? 20, 20, 20. 21. I can't <laughs> yeah, I don't even know right now. <laughs> From day to day it can change. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, yeah. great. 
All right. Well, listen, I truly appreciate you with the transparency about the business and the growth. I think it helps people to understand and give them some sort of context as to what your true journey has been, even though we're in a short form podcast. So today we're here to talk about product led content, right? And so I was really intrigued about this whole concept. I'm sure it's not, we're not the only people in the world that have ever talked about it, but I can tell you (laughs) that it's the only time we've talked about it on this podcast in particular. So why don't you pull that apart a little bit for the audience and kind of talk about some of the different components of that and, um, you know, the wins, the losses, and, and, you know, we'll see what we can extrapolate from there. Yeah, sure. I think product-led content is how content is supposed to be, but not everyone is doing it. And you're, you're actually seeing, you know, very few companies doing it properly. And even at Planable in the beginning, the way we were building content was more focused on the brand. So we had a few topics, a few content pillars that we were writing around and producing content around. And those topics were, you know, collaboration, workflow, productivity for, for social media teams. But those are not necessarily topics that people search for or have questions around. And that's one thing. And then the second thing is that those topics were really hard to tie to the product in an easy way. So the way we flipped our strategy in terms of picking the things that we talk about, the things that we produce content around was, first of all, looking at the search volume out there. So it's SEO powered, really. So looking at the search volume out there, picking keywords that are you know, high volume, low difficulty, that's the, you know, the, the golden ones. Uh, it's very hard to find those uh, those types of keywords and even and maybe even clusters of keywords that have you know lower volume but you know good uh, a good achievable difficulty and kind of figuring out what you know those types of keywords uh, how can they relate to the product so basically taking the product apart and thinking about different benefits or different functionalities of the product and trying to find keywords based on those different parts and pieces of the product and then writing content around that uh, you know starting with the product in mind like okay you know what do we have like what do people care with our product particularly like they care that their pages are very well curated you know what keywords could represent that benefit that we give you know our our users and you know one of those keywords is styling instagram grids which is, you know, one of the keywords that we're actually ranking on quite well. So, you know, finding those keywords that are doable and that also represent parts of your product and then writing the content in such a way that it, you know, it ties very well, it marries well with the product and, you know, uh, puts the product in a, in, a, in a good light. Okay. So it's interesting because you mentioned a couple of things here, you know, and I think that a lot of people that are listening to this, if they've, if they've tried to leverage SEO before, you know, the challenge is, you know, high volume keywords are obviously yeah. typically way more competitive than low volume keywords. And then you also add another element to it, which is obviously it has to be relevant to the whoever you're talking about, which is where the keywords come from. But it also has to tie back to the product, which adds a whole nother layer of challenges, you know, but I think that's where the sweet spot is, right? I mean, you could have put together content that was popular. You could have put together content that you might even been able to rank for. But if they hit yeah. your website and it wasn't it, it wasn't tied back to the product, your conversion was going to probably be very little to null, and exactly, uh, and it wasn't like, going to really value you because you you spend a lot of time and energy and resources putting that content together. And as a startup with small amount of capital that you've raised, I mean, you got to put content out there in the strategy that's going to actually generate leads and opportunities. 
it's all about intent. Like I would rather have a hundred people uh, coming to our website to have a strong intent and that it, you know, are a great fit with our product rather than 10,000 that are, you know, just looking for social media management or what is digital marketing type of, you know, search. So it's definitely about attracting those people that have a good product market fit, product, uh, you know, search fit, but also, you know, strong intent. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to understand, you know, when we're talking about product-like content, this is what I want you to understand. And I think Xenia can explain and expand on this a little bit is that they don't have uh, some sort of sales team doing outreach, right? Where they're doing cold email or cold calling or LinkedIn outreach or any form of real outreach. All of their business and all of their leads are inbound, right? So, so it's important that not only you know, that they generate traffic and interest, but it's got to be the right traffic because if that doesn't convert into an actual opportunity, then again, like I said before, you know, they're not going to grow. They're not going to see any opportunity. So I think that's, I think it's important you guys understand that this is really all inbound. And so that process where she's talked about the keywords with the keyword volume tied back to the product is may seem subtle and nuanced, but I think it's important. Okay. So what else beyond that? I think there was a couple of other components to it that were a big part of uh, the success. Yeah, uh, we were talking before how much I uh, despise the word uh, thought leadership, but that's, I guess, the I. Second, yeah, that's the second component of what we have built at Planable. And so along the way, we've launched several content initiatives, content pieces that, again, have, you know, are very tied with the product and are unique content pieces isn't, you know, just a bunch of blog posts put together in an ebook. It's really, you know, data that we have uncovered throughout our product, through the relationship that we have built with our customers, through surveys and market research, and putting all that data together and, you know, coming up with a report or coming up with an ebook through the experience and the interviews that we've had with our own customers. So it's, you know, really unique content that only us at Planable can put out there. And that's what, you know, we've been doing for the past couple of years. And that helps us a lot with brand awareness and kind of like word of mouth, uh, things that are very hard to track, but I think they'd have, you know, really helped. The way we see that those things have an impact is through our branded search, branded keyword search, like how many people are actually searching for a planable. And we Yeah, your seen, brand you know, queries, the brand queries, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, how we've seen that, okay, you know, across the years, it has grown quite a lot. And that means, you know, that those things like this podcast, for example, you know, there's no link where people can click. So it's not, you can't follow it, but someone potentially is going to, you know, go after, you know, listening to this episode is going to, you know, search for planable. And that's going to be attributable to everything that we do in terms of brand awareness and content initiatives. Yeah, I think you mentioned something really interesting. And that is, you know, of course, that word thought leadership that nobody likes. But ultimately, yeah. the key there was that you created unique content. So yeah. there's there's strategies out there in content marketing and blogging and SEO that revolve around, you know, the whole concept of the skyscraper method and finding other content that's doing no. <laughs> really well and then creating the next best version of that. But I don't think that, I think, number one, I think that would be very challenging for you to make it product-led because it's going to be hard to tie those back. But number two, they're typically not that unique, right? There might be something that's 10 or 20% different, but it's not going to be unique. But with your ability to, to leverage all the data that your product actually creates and that you're able to extrapolate and pull from that product makes it a lot more compelling because they can't get that anywhere else, right? 
being unique online is really freaking hard, right? Yeah. Because there's everybody's online and everybody's written about everything, it seems like, right? There's a video on YouTube about everything. There's a blog post about everything. There's a podcast about everything. I mean, it just seems like it's, you know, that everything's been talked about, but they can't talk about the things that are, you know, pr- proprietary to you or ha- or your own IP. So I think that's, I think that's great. And I think it's important because I think every company has those things. Sometimes it's a little harder, particularly it's a lot easier when it's product led, right? Because you always have the things you can pull from that product. But I think even service-based companies can do that. It takes a little bit more creativity, a little bit, it might be a little bit harder, but I think that's important that, you know, not only it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, having a skyscraper method or doing that content yeah, type thing can work, but I think you also have to think about that unique, that, that unique and, comp- you know, piece as well. And I, I, I think that if I had to, if I, and I don't know your business anywhere near what you do, but if I had to pull it apart, I think that that type of content has probably led to a lot more opportunities than just, you know, some of the SEO stuff that you've tried to rank for. A hundred percent. And I think uh, it's it's not just about data because it might be hard, you know, as you mentioned, for service companies to find data and, you know, numbers and metrics within, you know, their experience. But sometimes it might be stories or case studies or things that they have done for themselves as a business to grow, you know, and sharing those stories or interviews with their own customers, you know, how they have, you know, grown a particular brand and so on. So it doesn't necessarily need to be data. And we've done, for example, eBooks where we interviewed customers about, you know, how they built their social media teams and how they've scaled those social media operations. So it doesn't necessarily need to be numbers. It can be, you know, (laughs) words and experiences and stories. Yeah, I love that. All right. And then there was one third component, which you kind of hesitated on including in this, but I think (laughs) it's really important. So why don't you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's about experiments. And I hesitated including it because it's a bit aspirational, I think. And at the same time, it feels like a no-brainer to me, honestly. But the way we have ended up with these two things that we talked about, you know, product-led content and building unique content pieces, we've ended up with those strategies and and some other strategies as well, just by constantly, constantly over-experimenting. So we've tried a lot, a lot of things, and some of them... We had to kill them off and we have doubled down on the things that have worked. And we have a bunch of articles on our blog that are, aren't, you know, that powerful. And we have some other articles that we call our crown articles that are really, you know, bringing a lot of leads and a lot of articles. And at some point you have to let go of the things that don't work. You have to stop investing in those things that don't work. You have to, you know, <laughs> let go of that hope that at some point it's going to explode or something is going to happen. Like, I, I don't say, you know, start, you know, stop investing, like after you launch something and it's, for example, one of our latest content pieces, we launched it and it didn't seem like it was making any, it didn't seem like it was making a splash or anything. It was blah. But then, you know, we, we continued, you know, we kept for a couple of weeks, we invested in it. And finally, it took off and people started sharing it and it became, you know, viral on its, you know, on its own, semi-viral in our own niche. So really, I'm not saying that you should kind of quickly stop investing in whatever you're doing that is not working at the moment. You should definitely exhaust your list of options with those things that aren't, you know, giving you, aren't, you know, they don't have traction. But at some point, once you've tried almost everything, you have to stop it. But at the same time, that shouldn't discourage you, you know, after all of those failures, 
that shouldn't discourage you to continue experimenting with new things because there's new channels, new trends appearing every every single day. And although we had so many, there's so many dead bodies in our past with all the experiments that we've had, we still experiment. Even nowadays, we're trying Clubhouse. We're probably going to try TikTok. So that hasn't discouraged us from continuing to experiment. Yeah, I think that experimentation piece is important, particularly for startups, you know, and even established companies, you know, that have, that have seen good growth, but are maybe a little bit more stagnant. You know, I think people have a tendency to get in, you know, tunnel vision, which has its value. But at the same time, you know, things are changing so rapidly that if you don't look up and consider the other, other opportunities that are there, I think you're just going to miss the boat. I mean, you added a couple that have just went absolutely crazy recently, TikTok, you know, and it may not be a direct fit. It may not even, you know, it may not look like everything you've done before. You may have to take a different approach because it's a different audience, but it's definitely worth testing. I mean, if you're going to spend a few weeks or a few months, you know, it's a calculated risk. And again, you know, at some point you're going to have to pull the plug and, and that, that initiative might not survive. But if you would have quit after your first couple of experiments, right, and not continue to experiment, we wouldn't be here today. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And something else that I also recommend to everyone who's like in this experimentation mode is to write uh, post-mortems for your experiments. So, you know, those documents that explain what you've tried with this particular channel or tactic, what happened, why it didn't go well, and why did you decide to kill it? And those post-mortems are very helpful because in a couple of years, someone is going to ask, why don't we do a Facebook group? And everyone is going to say, oh, no, we did that. It didn't go well. But maybe you haven't tried everything. And if you have that document, you can go there and, you know, look at what has been done, what, you know, was tried and what else, you know, what other angle you could approach. Because it might not be dead forever. I love that takeaway where you're, you know, when you did the experiment, you didn't just throw your hands up in the air and say, it didn't work. We're going to move on to the next experiment. You actually did, I think you would call it a postmortem, right? Which is that kind of that, you know, it's like the autopsy of what happened to that dead experiment, right? So yeah, I think that's interesting. And they keep that as a resource for future initiatives. And I think some of those initiatives, you, you know, you can learn, even if they're different platforms, some of the things that didn't work. So I think there's definitely some knowledge base there. That and number two, you know, as you grow, your team's going to continue to grow, and you're going to need yeah. to educate them on the things that have worked and haven't worked if they're going to launch new initiatives for your business. So awesome. Well, listen, is there anything else you want to add about the product-led growth? I got a couple rapid-fire questions, and then we'll wrap it up for today. No, I think uh, I think that's that's all for me. <laughs> Good. All right. Perfect. Besides Planable, what's your favorite growth tool, <laughs> app, software? What do you use to grow your business? If you had to pick one, I know there's probably many, yeah. but if you had to pick one. I love Superhuman, the email client. I love it. It's amazing. It makes me so, you know, so fast. It makes you superhuman. Yeah, it makes me superhuman on email. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Perfect. All right. And what would be one book that you've read, maybe something that helped you on your journey or you think might help them on theirs? So that's the thing. I don't read business books. <laughs> that's okay. I don't really. Yeah. More on the fiction side. but. Just like my wife. My wife's the exact same way. She's voracious and reads more books than anybody I know, but she never, it's all fiction. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, (laughs) If I read books, it needs to be something else than work. But something good that I have uh, read, you know, for uh, books in terms of the kind of more on the personal side, it's a book called Stop Overthinking 
And it's really good for, you know, those people that <laughs> are overthinking, overthinkers. Yeah. And I'm definitely one of those. And it, you know, really helps you develop techniques on how you can make fast decisions. Love it. Well, listen, I really appreciate you being here. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about Planable. I think you had a special offer for the audience. Yes, Um, yes, we do. So yeah, if you want to check out Planable, you can go to our website, planable.io. And uh, if you want to try our product, we have a free trial. You can play around with the product for as long as you want. And if you really enjoy it and want to upgrade, we also have a discount for everyone who's listening right now. And the, the discount, the coupon call code is uh, GROWTH30. And it's a coupon uh, for 30% off on the starter plans or the premium plans, any paid plans uh, for three months. So take advantage of that if you, if you really enjoy the product and check it out. Awesome. Well, listen, I'll make sure I put the links in the show notes. Truly appreciate you being here. I would highly suggest anybody out there that needs anything like this or has considered anything like this, check it out. Use the coupon code, take advantage of it, and uh, really appreciate you being here once again. Congrats on all your success, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now, and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.